Welcome to Our Stories, the official podcast for Palmer Memorial Episcopal Church in Houston, Texas. I'm Dustin J. Sudasen, the Director of Communications here at Palmer. I recently had the opportunity to sit down and talk with the Reverend David Wantlin about his upcoming class during Lent, discussing the book, Everything Happens for a Reason, and Other Lies Have Loved by Kate Bowler. This class will be part of our Great Wednesday series that we have here at Palmer. Every Wednesday we have dinner beginning at 5.30 p.m. and classes beginning at 7 o'clock p.m. This class will start Wednesday, March 13th and continue through Wednesday, April 10th in A202. Check palmerchurch.org for more details. Today on the program, we have the Reverend David Wantlin. Hi. Hey, David. We're talking today about your um, special book club that you got coming up for the Lenten season. Um, it's a book called Everything Happens for a Reason and Other Lies I've, to- I've Loved by Kate Bowler. I'll let you talk a little bit about it before I get too far into it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me uh, on the, uh, the, the podcast. Um, yeah, so the book um, is uh, going to be one of the features for our Great Wednesday classes during the season of Lent. Um, and the real focus of it is kind of rooted in what Lent is. Um, you know, seeing Ash Wednesday um, and that line that we say was, as we impose the ashes, remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return. Um, Ash Wednesday is so much about mortality, um, and it's this journey from mortality that we remember on Ash Wednesday moving toward uh, Easter and the resurrection and the hope we have in everlasting life. Um, But with this, maybe with a more intentional focus on on our mortality and what it's like to be people who believe in a God who loves us, who may also permit suffering. So uh, the book itself um, is part memoir, part uh, theological exploration of um, Kate Bowler's experience, both as a researcher and uh, a professor on American Christianity with a focus on the prosperity gospel, and as someone who at a fairly young age in her mid-30s gets diagnosed with a rare colon cancer. And so it's um, it's her reflections on the experience of uh, moving through treatment and um, how people in her life who know her faith and know her spirituality try to offer words of encouragement or hope and and how often those attempts at offering a a Christian response to suffering fall flat or um, say something that maybe we don't actually believe about God. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's, it kind of gets at the heart of the problem of suffering, but through a voice that is funny and sarcastic and whimsical and deeply faithful at the same time. Can you explain a little bit um, about her previous subject about uh, the prosperity gospel, what that means exactly? Yeah, so um, so Kate Bowler is, I should have said earlier, Kate Bowler is a professor of American Christianity at Duke Divinity School, where I went for seminary. And um, her research focus has been the prosperity gospel. You mentioned earlier that you went to Duke. Um, and correct me if I'm wrong, she was one of your professors She there. was, yeah, yeah. Can you uh, talk a little bit about your connection with her there? Yeah, so... Um, she taught the the big lecture class for students pursuing a Master's of Divinity 
um, on American Christianity. So that's, you know, beginning the, the Christianity that came with the colonizers over to the New World, um, and then the translation and transmutation of Christian denominations here in the United States over the last 300 years. So um, this was a class of 125 people, so I didn't have a lot of uh, one-on-one interaction. Well, like I had any one-on-one interaction with her, but as a lecturer, she was she made things that might have at times seemed really dry to people, incredibly engaging. And I think the thing I remember most is how she contextualized the religious landscape of the United States contemporarily um, in this great history of the Great Awakenings and the Puritan movement and uh, what the Church of England was when it came over here and why there are certain things that seem to have shaped um, the American landscape, religious and non-religious, from the 16 and 1700s that still have um, purchase um, today. Could you give us a little background on Kate Bowler and what effect that had on the subject matter of her book? Yeah, so she, um, though she is a uh, student of the prosperity gospel, she comes from a um, Mennonite religious tradition. So um, as she puts it, uh, she, she talks about uh, Mennonites as being uh, really good at suffering together. Um, that's kind of how she describes them. And um, so Mennonites, for those who don't know, um, are a pacifist um, Anabaptist tradition. So they don't believe in infant baptism. They believe in adult baptism. Um, they're very much committed to simplicity and to communal life. Um, and that is born out of the history of um, the ways that Mennonites were persecuted in Europe and in Russia. Um, so she's she's Mennonite and very, very rooted in that tradition. Um, but what she admits through the course of her, her book is that even though she holds the prosperity, the practice of prosperity gospel with some suspect, getting to that place of encountering the, the potential of her own death revealed how she, and she suggests we all, are practitioners of the prosperity gospel um, when it comes to situations of life and death or suffering. So um, even though we might intellectually and theologically know better, um, we still find ourselves wondering what we need to do to get God to hear us, to fix us, to heal us. Um, what rituals do we need to try to practice? What words do we need to say? How much faith do we need to, to conjure um, so that we can be healed? Um, and so she, it, it's, it's partially an, an admission that uh, we all become prosperity gospel believers um, in situations of, of crisis. And so what do we do when we also know that that's not how, how things work, that people of good faith who, who love God, who love the world, who from our perspective deserve um, to live long lives nevertheless um, get cancer diagnoses and die from from that. Um, so the book really moves from uh, this these trite statements like everything happens for a reason, and she tries to invite people by the end of the book to say maybe everything just happens, um, and, and period, stop there, um, and trust that God, through God's people and by God's spirit, remains with us um, through the journey. One of the articles I read that 
that's how it's ended with that and that um, she felt like um, and I'm paraphrasing but that we move out trying to make reasons for why it's happening to us and then we just replace it with love and that that's how we deal with it is not not to try to explain it and um, she mentioned too if somebody ever, ever comes up and you know says that you know something bad has happened in their life uh, or something negative that you don't try to fix it for them or make reasons for it but to just say I'm sorry yep. and approach it with love which I thought is perfect mortality can obviously be a difficult subject matter to ponder but nonetheless is a focus of Lent uh, what are some examples that we can draw from this book on dealing with this subject or uh, difficult situations in our spiritual walk so uh, there's one part of the book where she talks about and actually, this is appropriate for Lent. You know, so many people take on different kinds of disciplines and practices during the season of Lent um, as practices of penance and self-reflection. And she uh, comes from a tradition that probably doesn't uh, adhere to that in the way that we as Anglicans often do or as Catholics and others do. But she talks about one Lent deciding that she was going to take on the discipline of uh, cursing. Um, and she just she got really really creative with uh, her vocabulary and found was just ready to to let it all out. Um, and I think she I don't know that I don't remember if she says this explicitly in the book, but what I heard in um, in that in that chapter was a real connection to the psalmists um, and the way that they cry out to God with boldness. Uh, without self-consciousness, you know, they're not worried about coming off as um, unpious or unfaithful. They will say, you know, petty, mean, tacky things about other people who have have been causing them difficulty or might cause them difficulty in the future um, and, and exhaust themselves of that uh, pent-up anxiety and fear and give it to God, handing it over to God. So, I think one of the things that I hope people can can connect with in her writing is the invitation to pray like the psalmist um, and say, in the experience of suffering and the experiencing of uh, of pain and of loss, um, that we actually have plenty of models in the faith of being really honest and blunt um, with God in our prayer. I think also one of the things that she emphasizes is that through the experience of her uh, her diagnosis and her treatment, the thing that overwhelmed her, as you pointed out, was the experience of love that she found through her friends and her family members that were able um, to be present to her life, to, to sit with her through the anger and the angst and the anguish of the unknowns that were about to, um, to befall her. Um, and that it was that experience of of Christ's love mediated through other people um, that she held on to the most for her support and for sustaining. And so we have the hope of the resurrection, um, and that itself is, is great comfort, right, to know that even if we die, death is not the end. But rather than looking kind of jumping ahead over the experience of life and of suffering um, to that hope. She really grounds in her experience of knowing Jesus personally through the, the love she knows around her. Um, and so I think that's also, that's also my hope um, as a takeaway for the class is that people 
are empowered and excited to to be companions with one another through the experience of suffering, not by trying to offer trite sentences um, that theologize suffering, but by saying in the same way that God came among us in the person of Jesus and uh, journeyed alongside sufferers um, and, and dying people throughout his life and ministry, um, so too we are called as Christians to follow after him. And, you know, yes, sometimes Jesus healed. Sometimes Jesus gave people sight back. Sometimes people cle- uh, cleansed them of leprosy. Um, and, and we too can hope and pray for those things. Um, and Jesus often was just walking alongside people um, and was their companion, and they were his companions. And so that's also um, the, the shape of our Christian life, too. Well, thank you so much. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a really wonderful um, book series to read through and um, discuss. It's, you know, it's, um, I heard a pastor once say, uh, some of life's greatest lessons are learned in the classroom of pain and suffering, mm. which uh, sounds terrible because you're like, I don't want to be in that classroom. <laughs> but um, but also, I mean, it, it, it's true, though, in that um, we do. It, it, it builds our character, builds our strength. It, um, it makes us who we are as people. I think one of the things that Kate Bowler wants to emphasize in this book is that even if the classroom of pain and suffering is a great teacher. That doesn't mean that we need to assign to God the role of putting you in that classroom. If that makes sense, sure. no, absolutely. Um, she does, she's not the reg- he's not the registrar. <laughs> no, no. Yes. <laughs> you know, um, but we find ourselves in it, and then yeah. it's actually God um, by grace that makes beautiful things out of um, the experience of suffering and pain. I absolutely. Agree. Great. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you. 